Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101. This is Matthew Aaron. And today we're going to talk about Segwit2x. What is Segwit2x? And let's just start that Segwit2x is another hard fork. This hard fork is going to start or initiate around November 18th. Now, remember, we just had a hard, a hard fork um, not too long ago, August 1st. And if you remember what happened to the market leading up to this, well, this was like the first time this happened. So everybody was didn't know what to expect. Everybody is a lot calmer now, for sure. Yet, there are some people saying there's a, some pros to this and some cons. There are people supporting and not supporting. I got an email the other day from a listener, and he said, what should we do with our Bitcoin before the hard fork? Should I keep it in my wallet? Should I move it to an exchange? If you are holding Bitcoin, do not do anything until we have all the information. Information will start coming out from different companies, Bittrex, Poloniex, Coinbase surprisingly sent an email saying that they're going to support the hard fork and give you equal shares of Bitcoin gold and Bitcoin, even though they did not support Bitcoin cash. They say it's a customer service thing. Um, they say that it's because everybody got so mad that they didn't support Bitcoin cash. But I think there's probably more to it. They were part of the New York agreement. I'll talk more about that in a minute. But if you're holding Bitcoin, let's just chill for a couple of weeks. Wait until November. Wait until the end of October and see what news starts coming out. If you remember the first hard fork, a lot of people are like really freaking out. Oh, I'm going to sell my Bitcoin and go to go to U.S. dollars, which actually I was one of those guys that didn't, I didn't go to U.S. dollars. But I was also like, I have no clue what to do. I'm not holding Bitcoin because who knows what's going to happen? Nobody knows. Everything went smooth. <laughs> and everybody's just like, oh, okay, let's just start doing shit like usual. And Bitcoin went from, you know, whatever it was at the time to 4,000 to 5,000 all time highs. And, you know, we're sitting where we're at right now. So I'm not worried about it. Let's just wait to see what everybody says. If you remember, probably the easiest thing to do when you had Bitcoin and it was going through the hard fork was just to keep it on your exchange. Um, I don't know about Poloniex, but Bittrex, for example. And once they unlocked your account in your wallet, you would open up your Bittrex and you had, let's say if you had one Bitcoin in there, you would have one Bitcoin and one Bitcoin cash. Coinbase says that this is what's going to happen. And let's see if, if Bittrex is going to do the same and everybody else. Bittrex is usually very good at these issues. Quantum just went through a, a swap the other day. And Bittrex was very supportive of that. So you just moved. And actually, I, I moved some of my coins into Bittrex because they were going to do it a lot better than I could myself. So let's just hold out, see what happens, see what exchanges are going to support the hard fork. And then you probably could come out with one Bitcoin and one Bitcoin gold next to your one Bitcoin cash. And you're, you're going to love it. So this is another hard fork. And this hard fork is to create bigger blocks. And what are bigger blocks going to do? Bigger blocks, we're going to go from one megabyte blocks to two megabyte blocks. And the pros of doing this is there's going to be faster data transactions due to the larger blocks. There's not much to explain about this. Imagine moving one megabyte of information, and this information is transactions. So instead of having a one megabyte block, you're going to a two megabyte block. So which is actually four times the amount of transactional data. So why is this good? This is going to make fees lower, at least for the short term. Fees are high right now because there's a backlog of transactions. 
if you want to buy a Coca-Cola, the fees aren't high. Therefore, the, the more expensive or the higher fees are usually getting processed first. What we're seeing is there's a bit of a price war of who's going to pay higher fees so they get their transactions through. These higher blocks is going to allow more transactions into a block. Therefore, get fees down so you don't have this whole backlog. So, it's going to, so you're just basically shortening the line. Faster data transactions, lower fees off the bat. The thing is, these pros are great for short term, but it might not be sustainable. And I'll go into that in a minute. We want Bitcoin fast. That's the thing. If you want Bitcoin to be, and if you listen to the Douglas Pike interview, Bitcoin is trying to be two things. It's trying to be a, a store currency and a commodity currency. They're trying to use it for two different things, which is hard. This is why, as Doug says, he made Virium and Viracoin. So you can have the slow-moving store currency and the thing that you're going to buy your goods with. Well, Bitcoin is trying to do both. And you need it to be fast in order to buy the commodities you want to buy. For example, you go into a 7-Eleven and buy a Coca-Cola. You scan a QR code to pay in Bitcoin. The transaction hasn't been through, went through for 15, 20 minutes. Now, it's great if 7-Eleven just allows you to go. And they're like, okay, the transactional process, we have this trust or faith that this is going to go through. But you really don't know until, you know, the confirmations on the other side happen and the Bitcoin is deposited. And we can't pay the three bucks for coffee. Bitcoin fees are too high. So if you buy that $1 Coca-Cola, you might be paying 40 cents in, tra in transaction fees. Some people keep saying, you know, three bucks. I have never seen $3 for a Actually, no, that's bullshit. I have seen $3 transaction fees for $4 as well. But right now, my transaction fees are about 40 cents for most transactions, which is way too much money for a Coca-Cola with Bitcoin. So this newest fork is going to help further the process of quickening the network and lowering the fees. It is not the end goal, but it is a step forward. Now, the cons are way more than the pros. The pros is something that needs to happen. It has to be scalable or they have to or Bitcoin's going to have to change its idea of who it is or its business plan, if you will. But the cons kind of outweigh the pros. And the cons are that this is going to be a step to making Bitcoin more centralized. And what is centralization? This is more of a philosophical idea of why Bitcoin exists. My friend and I always have a conversation of why Bitcoin. If you're in China, you use WeChat. If you use WeChat or, or Jirfubao, Alipay, you can go to any store, any cab, almost anywhere in China and pay on your phone, scanning a QR code instantly, no waiting, no confirmation, no fees, and, and just walk out of the store. I haven't carried cash in China for months at a time. Maybe I had a couple renminbi in my, in my, in my pocket, maybe 30, 30 renminbi or 40 or 50 renminbi, which is, you know, like five bucks, six bucks, seven bucks. And I just kept it there, but I never used it. So this goes into the philosophical reason of why do we want Bitcoin? In China, even with Visa or MasterCard, you can swipe your card at one store and just walk out. You can go use Visa in Paris or in Buenos Aires. It doesn't matter. You're going to use it. It's going to be instantaneous. Why do we want this to be Bitcoin? First, all those options that we said, WeChat, Visa in Paris and Buenos Aires, Everything is is centralized and is controlled by a, a trust system or an, an intermediary. 
And that trust or intermediary bank is, is either a bank, an app, or Visa or MasterCard. Well, the idea of Bitcoin is going to... What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers stay clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply to try to decentralize money, currency, banking, and allow a P2P of transactions without, you know, a government-issued note or what have you. And this fork represents a step towards greater centralization of Bitcoin. That's from two reasons. The first reason was how this fork came to be. And this fork came to be in the New York Agreement. And in the New York Agreement was held in New York, from what I read. Now, I wasn't there, <laughs> but... It was held in New York, and people say it was held in a Marriott at a conference room, and there was 58 of the bigger players in there, Coinbase, Bitmain, other huge mining pools. And these 58 companies or pools or people represented 83.2% of mining hashing power on the network right now. What is mining hashing power and hash rate? Uh, take a look at Crypto 101's What is Mining episode. Basically, you have... A handful of people making a decision for everyone. And they say, this is what we're going to do. And you can't stop us. We are the number that is needed to signal this change. To do SegWit 2X, you need 80% or more of the hashing power to change the code, to change the blockchain, and to change the block size. And so that's what they have. So when it came to the original fork to now, you're basically having these people make the decisions and that's out of the, the spirit of bitcoin what blockchain is supposed to be and as you see from the james lovejoy interview and how segwit got activated on vertcoin is it's totally different the way it's happening on bitcoin when it had to vertcoin is they put segwit out there miners had the choice to start to start signaling that this was what's going to happen and it was a consensus over a decentralized network hey, this is a good idea for the coin. This is a good idea for the future. Let's all do it. Instead of let's get together, figure out what we're going to do, and then force it on everybody else. So one's more of a voting rights issue, and one is a more of a we made a decision for Bitcoin. 
the other issue with this is that it's miners that are making the call. And it's the majority of these big mining pools. And a majority of them are just coming from China. And there's two issues with this. The first one is that making bigger block sizes is only going to benefit people with the equipment and the resources to mine and run full nodes. If you are increasing the block size, then you're, gonna, you're increasing the resources needed to mine. The average person just don't have the resources to do that. If it's the electricity cost, the computational power, or in the hashing rate that's needed to uh, participate anymore. However, big mining pools and ASIC miners and things like that do have this. And so you're taking the average person, which is probably the majority as people-wise, out of the equation. Why am I saying that the average person is probably the majority people-wise, but not in hashing power? Let's just say my name my name is Matthew Aaron. <laughs> it's true. And I have a three-bedroom flat in Taiwan. One room I have converted to only mining equipment. Only mining equipment. And it's running shit. I have bit bitmains, ant miners, stacked floor to ceiling in my biggest room in my in my flat. And the whole rest of my apartment complex has is full of people with their computers at home running GPUs trying to mine. There's no way, even though my my apartment complex has a thousand people in it, that those guys are gonna even equal my hashing power of my one room stacked with ASIC miners. It's impossible. So you see that even though I have more hashing power, I'm the minority, the vast minority. And see, this is what's happening right now. It's creating a power vacuum. So like we said, we don't want centralization. However, this decision was a very centralized decision and not over, say, a decentralized voting or signaling decision as you see with Vertcoin. Now, I'm not promoting Vertcoin. I am just putting it out there so you can make the decision. Do you want a centralized system or a decentralized system? Now, the last con is that this cost decrease and this faster data is only temporary because, you know, two megabyte blocks is fine until you double or triple the people using Bitcoin. Once you triple the people using Bitcoin, the costs are going to go up. And now what are you going to do again? Hard fork again and increase the <laughs> increase the block sizes. And of course, this is going to start different problems down the line. Of course, all of this can be dealt with in time, but there's still going to be different problems. All right, so just in summary, the pros, faster Bitcoin, decreased fees, the cons, more centralized, the miners are making the call, the majority of these miners are in China, and it's only temporary. These solutions are only quick fixes for a long-term problem. And remember, what should you do? Just wait for now. As the time gets nearer, all of these companies, exchanges, wallets or whatever are going to start putting out press releases and saying we support or we don't support and going to give you advice now if some of your favorite exchanges say we're going to support bitcoin gold then just keep it on bitrex or coinbase or what have you it's going to save you a lot of problems if some of your wallets do then keep them in your wallet 
But don't panic yet. Just wait for things to come out. Also, the closer we're going to get to November, the more exact date and time we're going to have as well. So let's just wait. In the description, there's a couple of good articles. Um, first one is from Laura Shin, uh, who does the Unchained podcast for Forbes. It's an okay article. It came out in July, so it's a little bit dated, but it does have some good, good information and some good quotes there. Uh, there's another one of what are the pros and cons of Bitcoin Segwit2x. And the other one is the New York Agreement. So take a look at those if you'd like to know more. And as always, you can find us on Facebook, Tumblr, SoundCloud, Crypto 101, Twitter, Crypto underscore underscore 101, Instagram, Crypto underscore 101. Email me at crypto.101 at outlook.com. You're going to find some blogs coming up on WordPress, Steemit, Tumblr. And this week's music was sent in by a listener. The listener is Stephen Lin. Stephen Lin sent in two songs that I wanted to play. The first one was a Lily Allen Chinese vocal remix. Uh, pretty dope. I liked it a lot. And the other one is called Mr. Ray. Mr. Ray. So links are in the description for those. Links are in the description for the references. Thank you very much. This is Matthew Aaron with Crypto 101.